This special monthly UBU episode on hashtag Black Mental Health is sponsored by Janta Neuroscience and supported by The Painted Brain, a California peer-run organization. Welcome and welcome back to Unapologetically Black Unicorns. Ooh, it's another week of excitement. I'm always excited to have fantastic guests. And I have someone um, with me today who I heard um, in this statewide community meeting that I was involved in. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to have to talk to this person on the pod because got some wicked stuff to share with us. Wicked as in good. So <laughs> I would like to introduce, well, I'm not going to introduce, I'm going to introduce her by name and then she's going to introduce herself, Dr. Tia Harrison. So Dr. Harrison, can you introduce yourself to our listeners? Peace. Yes. And thank you so much, Karis, for having me. I go by Tia or Dr. Tia Hairston. I am a mother of three living, beautiful children. I am a mother of three angel children. Um, I am the founder of Be Love Holistic, which is a organization that focuses on the development of self for Black women. So really focusing on our holistic health and becoming and walking in our full selves. And so um, I'm also the vice president of Safe Black Space, which is a mental health community, uh, all focused on Black mental health and wellness and healing from racial trauma. And I am also the vice president of Sacramento Area Congregations Together. It's uh, also known as SAC Act, which is a grassroots faith-based organization here in Sacramento that really focuses on fighting for equity, equity in education, equity in employment, in uh, immigration status, and things like that. And so I wear lots and lots of hats, but those are um, probably my primaries, uh, where, you know, the most of my time goes outside of my day job, <laughs> where I'm a research what? data specialist <laughs> wow. Wow. for the state of California. So yeah, um, a long list of things that I do on a daily basis. Yeah, love it and love the introduction. I was like, okay, wait, she's gonna add another thing. Wait, yet another <laughs> thing. Wait, when do when do you sleep? I and I know you do because you're about health and wellness. So I know you're sleeping and getting that good rest. At least I hope you are. So I was actually on your website, and um, the first thing that I read on the website was "Welcome to your journey toward your optimal self." And I was like, <sighs> I just I, like I how you're supposed to feel. Yes. Oh, I just took a big old just sigh in and my shoulders dropped and I felt relaxed and I felt seen and welcomed. And I, I was just like, yeah, I want to be in here. Just reading about <laughs> that word. I was just like, okay, okay. This is about, this is about, you know, my people, this is about women. This is about the things that women go through, not just women, but black women. So before we get into everything that um, um, Be Love Holistic does, let's talk a little bit about your your journey, if you don't mind, because sometimes, you know, people get into the work because of their personal journey. So can you talk a little bit about, about your journey? Yes, a journey it has been. Um, it all started, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, in 2009, that's kind of where I traced where the trajectory of my life began to change. 
was in 2009. I was my senior year of college studying African-American studies and psychology. And I was in an abusive relationship. I was working full-time. I had a full-time job and a part-time job, going to school full-time. So, you know, life was happening. And I found out I was pregnant. And honestly, I, I just wasn't ready for that. It was not the best time. You know, like I said, I was in a relationship with that just wasn't healthy. I wasn't making the kind of money that I wanted to make. Obviously, that's why I had two jobs. You know, trying to finish school just wasn't a good time for me. But I welcomed the opportunity that it was going to allow, right, for, for motherhood. And so I wrapped my mind around it. I changed my mind about it. And I was ready to become a mom. And five months into my pregnancy, um, I went in to actually find out the sex of the baby and they do, you know, this extensive kind of um, look at you and the baby and they found out that there was no fluid around my son and that he was not going to survive because there was an infection and if they, if I didn't deliver him um, right away that I could die from the infection. And so that really changed things for me. Um, as I said, I had wrapped my mind around becoming a mom and then to to find out just in a, a moment that that wasn't going to be my reality anymore. It was very challenging <laughs> to, to, for lack of a better word, you know, to, to go to the hospital and, and go upstairs and have a baby and then leave without him. So mm. after that experience, I spoke to my mentors, some advisors that I had from college and they tried their best, you know, to, to tell me, in one way or another, that life wasn't over because that had happened to me. And in fact, one of my advisors and who became my mentor, she had five miscarriages before she ended up having her daughter. And so she just her story um, and, you know, the things that she had done in her life and been able to accomplish was really inspiring for me to keep going. But it was part of that keeping going that was really detrimental to my health because five days after I lost the baby, just five days later, I went back to school. I went right back to work. I got right back on the grind. And it was as if I had to live as if nothing had happened. Mm -hmm. My mentors encouraged me to look at master's programs, look into furthering my education since, you know, life had changed so quickly, or at least what I thought it was going to be. And so I did that. I started looking at um, master's programs. I ended up going to the University of Mississippi. And then from there, I met some great people who encouraged me to um, think about getting a PhD. And so I did that. And I came back home to Sacramento after I had my rainbow baby in 2016. At that time, I was still, um, I was still finishing up my PhD. And um, my dissertation was on Black women who were supporting someone who was either incarcerated or formerly incarcerated and re-entering back into society, because that was also a part of my story. Uh, my brother was in and out of prison since I was five. Mm -hmm. And so uh, while this whole dissertation that I was writing was about mass incarceration and, and, and what Black women have to do to kind of deal with this other system 
I realized how bad we were about taking care of ourselves. And so that's what led me into looking more at Black women in self-care, Black women in our mental health and coping mechanisms and just all of the things. Yeah, yeah. This is so powerful because as you were telling your story and as soon as you said, you know, you that you were pregnant and kind of had to figure out like, what are you going to do? Because you had all these other things going on. This is not in your plan at the moment, but you worked it into your plan and mm-hmm. kind of started to embrace the whole thing only for five months later to have it um, kind of end in this shocking way. And then you go back to school five days later. And I think this is such a common story, especially for Black women about kind of be that strong Black woman and go forth and kind of conquer. Like that thing happened and move on. Um, and you can move on. And, you know, I don't want to say pull yourself up by your bootstraps, but that's what we'll, people will tell us is to kind of move through it, move beyond it, go back, keep busy, et cetera, et cetera. And all of a sudden I started thinking about, I think maybe it's Audre Lorde uh, that self-care is a revolutionary act, right? It is. Yeah. And so indeed it is revolutionary or evolutionary, revolutionary, whichever way we want to look at it, but it's so needed and it's not the day spa. It's not, you know, it's, it's the deep down hard work stuff that you need your sisters with you to, um, and alongside you who have gone through similar things. That's what we say peer support is in mental health, by the way. And um, the hard part too, for some of us is that they haven't been through this as a black woman. And so I was looking for other black women who had gone through similar experiences myself with a mental health condition. So, you know, all of this to me is like, yes, yes. Y-A-S-S-S-S-S. Yes. <laughs> right. And it just is like, it's like makes so much sense, but something about our society, we just tend to, the expectation is you just move forward and move on. And, yeah. and that's just not how people work. It's not how right. humans work. Right. And, and just, you said about, you know, needing to be with other people who've experienced something like you, that just wasn't available for me at that time when I lost my son. That I mean, they didn't even prepare me for things like, okay, well, you're going to lactate because you've had a baby now and now your body is going to, you know, they, I didn't know anything. Now, granted, mm. I was 24. I could have picked up a book. But that's not, I don't think that that's what healthcare is. You need to care for me in a time where I can't care for myself because I'm so despondent. I'm so, you know, just out of it. Mm -hmm. What has happened to me? I need, they didn't send me home with any information. And then when I, when I reached out following up because I was struggling, I was really struggling emotionally and mentally, you know, the only groups they had were, um, you know, with, with, with other people, not th- that didn't look like me. Yes. Yeah. And, and quite frankly, I didn't even want to go back to the hospital. They were having these classes at Kaiser. I didn't want to step foot in the hospital for, I, I want to say at least a year after I lost my son. Yeah. Cause it was triggering just to be in a hospital. Right. And so it's, it, it is really important to have a circle of people to wrap their arms around you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was what I, I aimed to curate and create with Be Love Holistic. Wow. Wow. So when you talk about, um, and first of all, thank you very much for sharing the story. And I know it's going to resonate with so many people. You know, I think it's so important to be able to find spaces to talk about that and to heal from that, um, even if it's an ongoing 
lifelong process. I think it's so important. And, um, you know, there, there are two ways that I also think about this and you um, use this term too, is that um, I'm familiar with sister circles, but I'm not sure everybody else is. I think they can intuit what it means, but because there's evidence actually behind sister circles. So can you talk a little bit about what are sister circles and what's the evidence behind the effectiveness of their use? Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, sister circles are sacred spaces for women. And it's not always Black women. um, But in this particular sense of what we're talking about for us, it's sacred spaces for Black women to gather and do what they need to do in terms of inner work, shadow work, some people call it, in a space that they know is safe, where they can be vulnerable, or should I say we can be vulnerable. And there, you did say there's a lot of research around it. There is a need for us to be able to unapologetically, which is why I love the name of your podcast, but unapologetically be ourselves without the gaze of other people influencing the things that we may need to say, you know, in that vulnerability, the things that we may need to share. And so that's that's essentially what the sister circles are. They are beneficial in terms of mental health. They are beneficial in terms of helping with stress and anxiety. They have been shown to reduce certain disparities that are associated with stress and anxiety, like our blood pressure, like our um, heart rate and, and other cardiovascular diseases. And if you think about safety, right, and security, and the actual physiological processes of your body at rest versus your body in flight or fight response, it makes all the sense in the world. It doesn't, I mean, there is science to back it up, but it doesn't take a scientist to figure out that when you are at rest, when you are at ease, when you are able to be more vulnerable, your physiological system, your physical body is in a, in a healthier state than when you are constantly on edge, uneasy, angry, upset, right? When you feel like you're holding things in for whatever reason, you have to suppress your feelings. You know, it makes sense that being in the comfort of other people, in this case, sisters who have um, shared experience, It Mm -hmm. makes sense that it could do a lot for our mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical health. Yeah, yeah. And then you're also trained in um, your EEC facilitator, right? So we have had Anola Aird on talking about, uh, yes, (laughs) um, emotional uh, emancipation circles and and, um, the sort of genesis of, of her work. So can you talk a little bit about that work and that work within the women's holistic health work that you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. So I was actually introduced to emotional emancipation circles through my work with Safe Black Space. So emotional emancipation circles are or have been created by the Community Healing Network and the Association of Black Psychologists. It's the deepest, dopest work that I am involved in. It really is about tapping into our true selves, 
our highest selves, our most inner selves, tapping into our an ancestral wisdom, our ancestral traditions and practices and knowledge and knowing, okay? The difference between the knowledge and the knowing, right? Mm -hmm. And so what they've created with the emotional emancipation circles is an exploration into or of our people, which is everybody. When you look at it at the end of the day, we are the mothers and fathers of civilization. So everybody is our people, but people with a black experience or people living a, a black identified experience is really exploring who we are, who we come from, who we belong to and what our duty is as future ancestors mm -hmm. yeah right because we we talk about oh we are our, our ancestors wildest dreams we are but we also have to think about being good ancestors what are we leaving for the people that are coming after us right. what are we leaving for our children um so that that's the emotional emancipation circles it takes you into all of that good stuff it's good beautiful deep stuff i highly recommend it I have taken so many just of the nuggets and the gems that I've learned or um, have come to know from my work with the Emotional Emancipation Circles and the Association of Black Psychologists and the Community Healing Network and Safe Black Space. I bring all of that into Be Love Holistic because at the root of what all of those um, groups are doing is love. Right. It's love loving ourselves, loving our people, realizing that we are nothing without each other. Mm -hmm. I am because you are, right? right. Ubuntu, in the spirit of Ubuntu. So I bring all of that into our sister circles and I I operate off of energy. Yeah. Because that's everything is energy. It's the yeah. energy of our ancestors that are that that infuses us and, and vital revitalizes us to continue to do this work. You're giving me 1000% Sankofa right now, just so you okay, know. Okay, okay. All right. <laughs> so I'm just, I was like, I wrote it down right here, Sankofa. Okay, mm -hmm. so, and I know for listeners, and I hope I'm describing this right, I hope I can give it the right terminology, but to me, it's like, what what is before is part of who we are now. Of course, it's all of who we are now, and then what we will be bringing forward. So that's Sankofa, it's all kind of like a circle, right, in our, our job as who who said it it's not wade nobles it's um let the circle not be unbroken i don't remember who wrote that book but anyway so this goes back to and i saw that you're an african-american studies major as well yeah i was yep and i think what i want to ask too maybe this is all together is you you know you know black women we're, we we busy busy black women bbw so how do we fit all this in and how do we say we shall fit all this in not we must not i will not i can oh yeah but i shall because it is almost like an it's it's a requirement which part is a requirement well i want to say fitting in the self-care part okay that is a requirement yes i okay. had to make sure i knew what you was talking about <laughs> yes that's the part I, that's the part that i think and i say requirement but it's like we can make room for all the other stuff how do we make room for the self-care yeah. Okay. So that is two questions. I'm going to start with um, how do we make room for it? Just like 
you make room for anybody or anything else that calls upon you, you make room for you. Because, you know, if, if one of the kids call, one of your nieces or nephews call and they need something, you're going to come through, ain't you? Auntie going to come through. You're going to write them into your schedule and you're going to show up. Somebody has a, a panel that they'd like you to sit on. One of your friends from college has a panel. You're going to come through for your friend because you respect and love what they're doing and you appreciate them thinking of you and you show up. You put them in your calendar and you show up. It's the same thing we have to do for ourselves. We have to put ourselves on our calendar every single day and show up. Mm-hmm. That's the piece. We have to show up because so often our intentions are good. I, I plan to get up and make myself some breakfast this morning. I plan to have a healthy, a healthy lunch. I plan to go to the gym after work. But we allow so many other things to be more important because mm-hmm. a, a phone call could change the, the direction of the day. You were about to do something for you, but somebody else needed you and you came fit through for them and never ended up showing up for yourself at the end of the day. So we have to practice. It's not going to be easy. It's not easy. Even me as someone who considers myself a health and wellness advocate or consultant is still a a challenge every single day. Mm -hmm. But showing ourselves grace, being patient with ourselves, supporting ourselves, speaking life into ourselves, speaking good words and manifesting and not being ashamed or afraid to start all over again every single time you feel like you failed or feel like you you needed to give up on yourself or whatever don't be afraid or ashamed to start again every single year we got people january 1st at the gym talking about them new year's resolutions right by mm-hmm. february 14th they done fell off and then they, they, you know, we have this idea that, well, damn, I, I just gave up and uh, I'm not going to succeed at it. No. Every single time you feel like you have the capacity, the wherewithal, the desire, the drive, the ambition to start again, start again. Yeah. So those, those are just a couple of the ways that I say that we do it. That, that's how we fit in our self-care is to never stop trying to mm-hmm. fit in our self-care and show right. up. How we kind of encourage um, that in Be Love Holistic is offering all kinds of different ways to show up for ourselves. Because a spa day, that might work for Karis, but that doesn't work for Tia. And so we try to give our sisters all kinds of different options of how to take care of self. So we've done plant parties where sisters learned about, you know, agriculture and how we built the United States with our expertise and knowledge of agriculture and farming and growing things, right? But also while we're learning that history, you're learning how to grow things for your own family, for yourself. And you're developing a sisterhood. We've had fitness classes, you know, where we've had sisters from here in the community. I'm not sure if you've heard of Hundreds Unit, Vanisha James, but we've had her take us through movement. Mm-hmm. That's one way we can work our bodies and release some stress, release some anxiety. Um, we've had a stress less, sleep more, and redefine self-love workshop where we learned about creating 
tea tinctures or um, tea blends, excuse me, for rest and relaxation, learning how to help yourself sleep. If you are one of those people who has trouble falling asleep or staying asleep. So we just try to offer all kinds of different ways to look at self-care and to be able to practice self-care that may not be in line with what we see on TV, what we mm-hmm. see uh, on Instagram or wherever we're consuming our media, right? So that we know there are different ways to take care of ourselves that doesn't necessarily mean going to get your nails done or retail therapy. Actually, you could create this tea. Actually, you could create this bath, right? This whole experience mm-hmm. in your own little bathroom with sage or palo santo or, you know, whatever it is. But that's what we do in Be Love Holistic. We try to give options and we try to connect people with different resources um, to be able to take care of ourselves. Wow. So snap, snap, clap, clap, two thumbs up. <laughs> if I had three thumbs, I'd put the third thumb up and I only have two. I'd put four of them up. But yeah, I mean, I'm hearing all of that and and just the um, love from which it is centered, meaning, you know, loving and having grace with oneself and forgiving oneself and not being, we're hard on ourselves, man. <laughs> It's like, how can we undo that? That's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I wish there were more beloved holistics around California, LA. Um, (laughs) I'm being selfish, Um, but I, I would, and this is kind of why we do the podcast too. So people can hear about all these great things and hopefully see how possibly to say, Hey, I want one of those in my neighborhood. How do I do that? Or, you know, um, those sorts of things and just getting access to information. Maybe we don't always have access to. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to um, start to wrap things up. And um, this is where you get to, you've done it throughout the whole podcast. Everybody does just shares mad wisdom, as I say. Um, <laughs> but uh, is there one piece of wisdom that you would like to leave the listeners with just some wisdom dropping? My usual piece of love to leave people with is usually just to be loved in in everything that we do. When you wake up in the morning, instead of dreading the day, expressing the gratitude for having another day, that's love. Mm. That's love for self. That's love for life. That's love for creator whoever, whatever it is that you connect with on a spiritual level. That's love. Gratitude is love, right? Yeah. And to show love wherever and however we can, where we have the capacity to do it, right? Because sometimes we just, <laughs> we got to keep some stuff for ourselves right? right. <laughs> in order to sustain ourselves. So that's usually what I tell people, but I'm, I'm, I'm just from this particular conversation with you, I'm thinking about just showing grace. Yeah. Showing grace first to ourselves because that is the way that we teach other people to also show us grace. And that's how we learn to show others grace. We never know what another person is experiencing on a day-to-day basis. We're we're quick to judge. It's human to judge. We have to judge because we have to judge situations as safe or unsafe or whatever, right? But it gets deeper when your judgment, you know, will cause you to disrespect someone or degrade or undervalue or be unkind. 
And so to show, to, when we see people, for example, if you see somebody with a, a coat on, but their kid ain't got a coat on, and you're like, why that baby ain't got no coat on, right? Mm. But you don't know that baby might have a fever and their body may need to be cool right now. Mm -hmm. But that judgment led you to think that the mama ain't doing something right. Mm -hmm. And so just scaling back on all that judgment, showing folks grace because we don't know what other people are going through. I look at you and, and listen to your story. And it's incredible to me to hear your experience with your mental health. Because I can look at you and you look like a fashion designer. You look like, you know, you look a certain way. And that's the thing. That's all we do. We look at people and we think one thing, but there's a whole other side. There's a mm. whole other thing happening. So that would be my my gem to share, just to sh continue to show grace. Learn, if you don't do it already, learn how to do it, starting with self. Mm -hmm. and then it will easily extend onto those whoever you encounter or engage on a daily basis. So be love, show grace. No words does Karis have other than <laughs> yes, yes, clap, clap, thumbs up, snaps, the whole nine yards. Thank you. Thank you so much for spending your time with me and wisdom sharing with all of our listeners. I so appreciate it because I know you're super busy. So thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. This was fun. Yeah. So for our listeners, y'all know what to do now beyond, you know, the things that we've just been told to do. Grace and love. <laughs> we can do it. We can do it. And also go ahead and subscribe, like, comment, but most importantly, share. I think it's so important to share this information with other people who need to hear these messages or may need to hear these wonderful messages that are shared by our guests. So thank you to Tia Harrison. And we will see you last Tuesday of the month for more Unapologetically Black Unicorns. Thanks for joining us.